Diversity, it might be what's holding your team back and you may not know it yet and may not know how to solve it. For that reason, I'm really excited to tell you that Data Futurology has established a partnership with She Loves Data and we're doing a series dedicated on improving diversity in your organization, in your teams, in your workplace, so you can get the most value out of your teams, out of your data and create products that the market really wants. Tune in every week as we speak with executives and female leaders from all over the world on how they have targeted and improved the diversity on their teams. And you can find out what we can learn from them. We are thrilled as a She Loves Data to be part of the Tough Futurology podcast, where we will showcase some female leaders, but the leaders from tech industry. And we will be talking about strategies, about data, about biases, and about diversity. Join us. I wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsors. One of our sponsors is Shine Solutions Group. Shine Solution Group is a technology consultancy that has been empowering their enterprise and government partners with pragmatic technology solutions for over 20 years. Learn more at shinesolutions.com. Also a big thank you to SAS, giving you the power to know. Through innovative software and services, SAS empowers and inspires data advocates around the world to transform data into intelligence. Committed to diversity, did you know about the Women in Analytics Network that they have? It's a SaaS-sponsored networking program aimed to strengthen diversity in the analytics field. Check it out in the show notes below. They're definitely committed to it as they're helping us with this diversity series too. I also would like to tell you about Growing Data. Growing Data is a consultancy that helps organizations unlock the full potential of their data. They work with some of Australia's most successful organizations from finance. They work with people like ANZ Bank, through to biotechnology companies like CSL, and all the way to construction, working with companies like Metricon. They help these and many more companies solve their most challenging data-related problems in analytics, machine learning, data engineering, and data governance. While I was at ANZ Bank, I got the pleasure to work with the team at Growing Data, and I can tell you for a fact, they are top-notch. I highly recommend Growing Data. Find out more at growingdata.com.au. Also, a big thank you to Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading data specialist recruitment business. They are experts in recruitment strategy and delivery for analytics and data teams. They are the go-to recruitment business for all your data roles in Australia, and they can help both with permanent hires and short-term project-focused data resources. I've used Talent Insights in the past, and I've always found them fantastic to work with. Visit them at talentinsights.com.au. Welcome to episode three of our podcast series, She Leads, Getting Real About Leading with Diversity in Data. I'm Renee Gallant. I'm the Global Expansion Lead, lead with She Loves Data, and I'm honored to be the host and moderator for today's discussion, which we've titled Real Talk, the COVID-19 Juggle, Women in Tech Talk About the Challenges of Working from Home. Joining me to tackle this very relatable topic today are Catherine Galipa, Chief Data and Analytics Officer with WorkSafe Victoria, Stuti Sharma, Director, Data Science with Visa, and Stu Garland, Director for, with Talent Insights, who will not only bring a male perspective, but also some insights from the HR corner. So I'll now invite each of our guests to tell us a little bit more about themselves and their roles at their respective organizations, 
and perhaps some other details that you, they feel might be relevant to today's conversation. Catherine, can we start with you? Sure, thanks Renee. Um, so Catherine Galisa, Chief Data and Analytics Officer for WorkSafe Victoria. So I lead the intelligence management function that supports the um, entire organisation with their data and analytics needs. Uh, everything from our health and safety business unit um, who are focused on regulating um, the health and safety standards of the Victorian um, workforce and also then the um, workers' compensation arm of our business and helping injured workers return to work. Um, I'm a mother of two, two young ones, a almost three-year-old and a just turned one-year-old, um, which has presented its challenges over the course of the last six months as well. Thanks, Catherine. We'll, uh, we'll touch on a lot of those things will be relevant in the conversation. Stuti, can we hear a bit more about you? Hi, sure. Um, so hi, everyone. My name is Stuti. I live in Singapore with my husband and a six-year-old daughter. Uh, I'm passionate about data analytics, and I'm an advocate for inclusion and diversity at workplace. Um, in my free time, I like to jog and uh, practice yoga. Uh, at Visa, uh, I'm a part of Visa Consulting and Analytics team. Um, I lead data science team for a cluster of uh, Southeast Asian countries, um, including Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Myanmar. Great. And Stuart, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yep. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Stuart Garland. I'm a director at Talent Insights. Uh, specifically involved in building the practice here in Victoria. Uh, we focus on recruitment within the data field, covering everything from data science, analytics, insights, engineering, business intelligence, um, anything that ultimately involves data to some degree. Um, myself, I'm uh, married with a, a two and a half year old and, uh, and with number two on the way. So I both work full time. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been an interesting six months so far. It sure has. So maybe we could set the stage a little bit further, um, wondering if, um, obviously, regardless of where you are in the world, uh, at some stage we've all experienced some level of lockdown, work from home. So I was wondering if you could perhaps, each of you could share what your work and life uh, conditions have been over these last, you know, six to nine months. So I actually had just returned to work from maternity leave um, mid-Feb and got five weeks of work in the office before uh, remote working commenced uh, mid-March. Um, so I feel like I've actually been out of the office for the past um, year or so. Um, and working from home first time around in sort of March, April, we actually took the, the kids out of childcare um, as precaution um, at the time. And so it was trying to balance full-time work while caring for a two-year-old and a six-month-old, um, which I found honestly really challenging and had many ups and downs from a mental health perspective, um, both trying to uh, understand my place in the world, having just returned from work um, and joining back into an organisation that was facing uh, into very different um, uh, economic situation and um, priorities than when I left um, and then trying to balance that with um, nap times and schedules and those sorts of things. So um, that was really challenging. Um, 
And second time around for lockdown, I was really concerned um, about the prospect of having to face into um, having the kids home again and trying to maintain full-time work and probably went into the second lockdown um, resigned to the fact that if childcare was closed, I just wouldn't be able to um, accommodate uh, both work and caring duties like I did the first time around. Um, thankfully, with work, uh, WorkSafe's involvement in um, the pandemic response, um, I was able to get a childcare permit this time around um, and have the, the kids remain in childcare. But from a workload perspective, um, it's been thick and fast. So um, certainly, again, mental health, um, you know, keeping active when you're in the demands of meetings all day, every day, all of those same sorts of things arise and um, trying to find strategies constantly to deal with those. Yeah. I, um, obviously, there's so many factors at play. What, what struck me was that I would imagine that the industry you're working in is facing um, very particular demands, given that it's workplace safety and health. Um, and sorry, so just I wanted to ask, too, about the, the child care permit. So that um, means that you were entitled to leave your child in external care. That's interesting. Yeah, we're both uh, full-time workers, my husband and myself, um, and because of the um, requirements of, of my role in helping prioritise internal resourcing um, and support the operational um, enforcement of um, workplace safety throughout the, the current restrictions, then um, I was able to get a, a permit, which was really helpful. Um, but I think um, a lot of people have gone into the second lockdown with that acceptance that things need to change from the first time around. I think first time around, we all sucked it up a bit more and, um, and thought perhaps it was going to be a shorter term event. And I think coming into the second time, we're a bit more realistic about our ability to cope with um, full-time work and full-time care and um, acknowledge that we're human and make those adjustments at the beginning. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you very much for bringing that real honesty and vulnerability to it. It's, I mean, I think we're, we, mental health is a big issue and, and juggling many yeah. demands. So thank you, Catherine. Um, Stuti, what, what kind of, uh, what's your work and life yeah. balance like now? And when I was listening to Catherine and I think I'd like to um, kind of echo her, her feelings, what she's gone through, right? Um, so for, same, like, you know, most of us around the world, I've been working from home for uh, more than six months now. Uh, that's when about in March and that's when Singapore uh, went into lockdown. Um, so I think for me personally, um, at, at, homeschooling had been uh, particularly difficult. You know, that constant kind of worry of, uh, okay, schooling is not uh, sufficient. Um, my kid is not uh, kind of, she's wasting her time. So that, I, I think I was putting too much pressure on myself initially when the lockdown happened. So I think, and then there was this guilt that, okay, uh, the child needs you, and but you have to go on a very important client call, which you're driving, then um, I think so that that guilt uh, was also there. Uh, and because everyone was staying home, we were not allowed to uh, even interact with our neighbors. So then my child, uh, she's very sociable. And then uh, she would, because she was not able to 
interact with other kids or anyone outside uh, of our very small family, um, she she had these mood swings. She would just cry mm. for little to no reason, right? So I think childcare definitely has been um, uh, difficult during that time. Uh, but then also work-life balance. I think uh, I had my laptop set up um, on the dining table, right? It, it was always there, even throughout, even over the weekends. And uh, I think it was more self-inflicted. I would find myself working uh, late in the night. And then I realized that this is not sustainable, right? We, we, this thing was not ending anytime soon. And I made a conscious effort to kind of draw a line uh, between my office hours and um, uh, time with my family. Uh, and I think as we have kind of stayed at home for long enough for uh, six months now, and the situation in Singapore has improved a lot, mm -hmm. uh, but I have family in New York and in, in India where the cases are rising. So I think my dad, he lives alone in, in uh, Delhi. And I have a sister, again, she lives alone in New York. And we, uh, every year we at least meet once or twice. And uh, like it's with everyone, the, the uh, travel's not happening, no vacations, and we are away from family really, uh, you know, worried about uh, our parents. Yeah. No, and I think um, what, I, what resonated there with me was that the issue of boundaries too. I think we've all struggled with that. And yes, yeah. um, being separated from family in other places, it's been hard. Uh, I have a team member that says it's not um, working from home, it's living at work. <laughs> I've heard that too. <laughs> sure, how is it with you? Are you living at work or working at home or... <laughs> I don't think I know the difference anymore. Um, I, I, I think it's very similar to uh, the rest of you guys. I think that um, when the lockdown originally came into effect, I think I was probably a little bit more optimistic than I was at any other time in the sense that I thought we could get through this and I thought it was going to be you know, a relatively short period of time. Um, but then all the slight issues um, would crop in. So my wife works full time. She works in the online team for RMIT. So online education suddenly got a huge amount of spotlight on it. And, you know, having a two and a half year old that we needed to, uh, same with Catherine, we decided to um, take our child out of childcare at that particular point. So, you know, we started to try and figure out the right sort of schedule, you know, does someone work one morning and the other person work another afternoon? Do we, do we take alternate days? You know, how do we break up the way in which we have to be a full-time parent and also, you know, full-time worker? Um, and that led to us all grabbing any bit of time we could to work. So that meant that if you were in the morning, you know, every time he'd nap, everyone would be scrambling to do work. As soon as he'd gone to bed, you know, sometimes we'd have the quickest and easiest meal so we could get right back to work and it's suddenly there until 10, 11 midnight and we've barely even spoken to each other. So our relationship needed to have a bit of a check-in as well. You know, it wasn't just about drawing a line with work. It was also making sure that we had time to ourselves and, and, and time just for us to even just have normal conversations and do normal life things. Um, we found our groove and we really, you know, I think I was very proud, particularly of my wife, you know, she implemented certain things which, which, which worked incredibly well. Um, and then when the second lockdown came in, I think it hit me a lot harder than the first time. I thought we, you know, I, I actually 
you know, I'd gone for a beer with some friends and, you know, realized how nice it was. And part of my job is very much human interaction and being in front of people. And, uh, and, and that's something as a person I love, and hence why I do what I do. So to now think that it's now been taken away and that there was no real light at the end of the tunnel, I think it really hit me from a mental health perspective a lot harder that second time round. Um, my wife also got a permit. Um, we, we managed to get care for our son, you know, three days a week. So again, from that perspective, our lives were much more balanced. But at the same time, I found myself unmotivated to go outside and do exercise. I found myself, you know, unmotivated to do anything other than to work. So again, it was a different challenge. I found myself having to find my own balance, my own routine to, you know, focus on my child, focus on my wife, focus on myself and, and really just make sure that, um, you know, you as positive but also realistic about what was happening and, and dealing with it and, and actually being okay to say, actually today I don't feel great and, you know, but what can I do to actually make myself feel better and, and, and the people around me. So again, we found we found a really good routine and, you know, um, silly things like, you know, making sure we have a, our own little date night on a Friday night, those types of really small things um, that go a long way to kind of, you know, that, that kind of long-term happiness in a world where you don't really know when, the, the new normal is going to come in again. So, you know, you have to be prepared for this happening, you know, for the next two, three months. And so how are we going to deal with it? So there's definitely been challenges, but it's weirdly been fun to try and solve the puzzle as well sometimes. Well, thank you for ending on that optimistic note, at least for this part of the conversation. And I think it'll be interesting because we have such a global audience that, um, you know, obviously Australia's sadly, uh, at the head of the curve and already in this second lockdown. And I think, you know, many other places in the rest of the world are, are facing that reality in the, in the near future. So, you know, we'll be looking to you to, um, you know, learn how to manage our expectations and cope with this second round. So I can see that we're going to have some great conversations. So let's, let's keep moving. Um, I think just to keep on this, this topic, um, how have some of the, how has your employer and, um, how have they accommodated for some of this? What kind of um, um, allowances have been made to alleviate some of this pressure, if any? I think uh, I think Visa is doing great uh, in some of the things which I would like to share. Like I think, think we have the flexibility, which to me, I think in this new normal, right? Uh, flexibility is the key. So just uh, taking an example of a colleague in India. So she's um, uh, both uh, my colleague and her husband, they're working and they have a 14 month old at home. Uh, now, when India went into lockdown, it was uh, very sudden, like they were probably given just like an overnight notice. And uh, they couldn't, so all the childcare, school, um, nannies, uh, uh, the, all that support was kind of uh, put to a halt. Put to a halt. So there is a uh, they, they were increased hugely, right? Uh, so what they uh, decided to do, they split the work. So they decided that uh, my colleague she would work two hours and then take a break of two hours for childcare, and um, and she was able to do that. Visa supported that. So I think flexibility, flexi hours is something which our leaders are uh, quite supportive of and they're encouraging that. A uh, couple of other things, right? Like uh, communication, I think uh, Visa's done pretty well in communication also. So we get these weekly uh, videos uh, from our CEO, Al Kelly, and he, 
he generally i mean i think it started off with him talking about the whole covid situation his personal uh, situation how he's dealing his friends and uh, also as a business what are the new policies um, or support that they are planning but now it's and it i think he's done 27 or 28 of those now and i don't miss it uh, any week so it's it's uh, very supportive um, and uh, i think uh, like um, stu touched upon it and catherine also i think focus on health is something which uh, our leaders are, uh, are putting a lot of focus on health so uh, what we what they've started and we've been getting this for about a couple of months now is something called wellness hours so every friday uh, afternoons uh, we don't uh, schedule any meetings unless it's a client meeting uh, and um and you know people are free to use that time for their uh, family to do finish their work because we all realize that we just have uh, too many meetings or zoom calls uh, video conferences going on as we continue to work from home so i think a lot of focus on uh, mental health as well that's very encouraging and, and um they should be seen as leaders in that regard catherine did you want to add anything to that yeah, I think um, WorkSafe um, you know, obviously needs to be seen to be role modelling in this space, given we are the health and safety regulators of Victoria. And um, I feel really fortunate, A, to have, still have a job and um, B, to be so supported by my organisation um, because there have been a lot of initiatives put in place to help people um, through these times. Um, similar to Stuti, um, we do try and celebrate the um, flexible work arrangements that people do put into place um, and showcase those so that if there are people who are silently suffering mm -hmm. um, they might feel encouraged by seeing others adopt those flexible hours to do so themselves um, and you need to constantly reinforce that with people as well um, and get them to adapt and it's not just those with carer responsibilities too it's important to encourage all those um, that are dealing with um, the challenges of working from home and living at work um, to adapt their lifestyles to accommodate and achieve that balance again. Um, we have ergonomic assessments um, available for home office spaces. Um, there are a lot, you know, the focus started at the beginning on the mental health and then quickly moved to um, a lot of the musculoskeletal injuries that were occurring from people not having appropriate setups in their home office space. So we do have um, ergonomic assessments available to all of our staff um, to participate in. Um, and we have a corresponding um, allowance associated with uplifting the home office um, environment if it is um, a recommendation of that ergonomic assessment. Um, we have uh, specific leave days allocated, so incremental leave on top of your regular leave balances to accommodate for care needs, whether it be childcare, um, homeschooling or caring for elderly parents or whatever it might be, that's available to people. And we quickly discovered with that needs to come a corresponding reduction in workload. Um, because there's no point in people taking time out to take care of family if they then come back to double the workload um, that's been piling up in their absence. So I think it's been actually a really good circuit breaker to give us the mandate to be really disciplined about looking at what's on our work slate and challenging whether it is aligned with our core remit and does it absolutely have to be done right now. 
or can it be deferred to next quarter or the, the quarter thereafter? Um, and so without that happening at an enterprise level, um, then it just wouldn't work. So it, it's important that everybody's getting that communication daily. And our chief executive has issued a daily email um, for the last six months since we began our remote working um, that reinforces, again, the, the COVID safe messaging, um, but also provides updates about um, wellbeing, access to wellbeing webinars, um, and celebrating the um, achievements that we've made throughout such a, a challenging time. Wow, I, I mean, your workplaces really sound incredibly progressive, and I hope that we have a lot of um, leadership uh, from other organizations listening in on the call who might take note, and we'll be looking for examples of how they can really support their staff get through this, because, I, you know, again, I do think that many other countries are going to experience this second wave sadly, in the near future. So again, of course, um, our, our topic is really about um, women and data and diversity. And we really kind of focused on a, a particular, the McKinsey article that was discussed in the previous episode, um, which of course highlights that women are, you know, seemingly experiencing almost a regression when it comes to gender parity issues. And it's highlighting things that, you know, obviously everybody's life has been impacted but that women's jobs and livelihoods seem to be more vulnerable. And some of the statistics that have been covered are things like that women's jobs are 1.8 times more vulnerable to this crisis than men's. And that while women make up about 40% of the global employment, they're accounting for 54% of the job losses. So obviously women in, in data and tech are, are already underrepresented. And I'm curious to hear from, from particularly Catherine and Stuti about um, how how they're seeing women uh, navigate this time, um, both in in a in a data industry, but also in data roles, um, and if they're faring any better, any worse. Yeah, I think that's a very good question, and uh, I can go first on that. So uh, it's interesting because uh, in my team, I only have women. So I have a really good team, uh, good diversity from that standpoint, right? And I, what I've seen around me, even beyond my team, right, among my friends and family, more women uh, are, they want and they're waiting to go back to work, right? Now, in my team, we I have data scientists and they, they you know, they like their own space uh, to think and um, uh, and they, they, people claim that uh, this is the time when data scientists uh, will have more innovations. Well, that's uh, <laughs> that, that, that's um, uh, that, that's one side of it, right? But on the on the flip side, um, I've seen working women, and uh, especially in India, in and in uh, North America, where. Uh, um, where kids have stayed home longer than uh, some of the countries like Singapore, right? So. Uh, some of um, uh, some of these uh, working women, my my friends, they actually they've worked out a flexible uh, work arrangement um, with their employers, and th their plan is to get back to a full time job uh, once the situation gets better. Uh, so I think, um, I mean, and the, these are the countries where, uh, unlike Singapore, uh, a full time helper at home uh, is not very common, right? So I think uh, that's some of the challenge, like one of the challenge which I see. Um, 
I have a another example. I have a friend in uh, in India. So she has um, elderly parents and uh, very little support from her spouse, and uh, she has a kid. And when the lockdown happened, she's uh, and actually going to work was one of the things where she used to get a break from uh, all of that. And um, uh, now everybody was kind of when the lockdown happened, locked up in one house, and she her responsibilities, her work increased so much. And uh, and uh, I mean, I I find her very uh, stressed uh, during this time. So I think. Um, it's important that we are talking about it and, uh, you know, people are paying attention to this. Yeah. In North America, we call the situation like that where you're dealing with elderly parents and young children, we call it the sandwich generation. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They haven't figured it out. I don't know if anybody has, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. We need to be mindful of, of all types of caregivers for sure. Yeah. And mm. I know that you had um, shared some thoughts with me on this. Yeah, I've probably got a little more positive outlook on women in analytics in particular. I, I agree with Stuti in terms of those women who are trying to enter or re-enter the workforce. It's probably more challenging at the moment, particularly if they have care and responsibilities um, and they are more likely to defer um, return to work. I think those that are in the workforce in data and analytics, uh, incomes levels are probably higher than norm. Um, and so if you're having the conversation in the household about who earns more, so who's going to compromise on their hours, you may be winning out in that conversation or at least be having a fairer um, share when it comes to the compromises that are being made. Um, and I think also, certainly in Melbourne at least, um, a lot of the women, so it is still very much a male-dominated um, industry, um, I think it's still around a three to one or two to one male to female dominated industry with uh, two to one within within WorkSafe, um, men to, to women. And the women, we, we are seeing more females emerge through, um, I guess, the, the more junior roles. They tend to be a younger demographic and perhaps haven't started families yet as well. So I do think in all of those, that sense, um, we probably fare a bit better in terms of um, data and analytics. Um, but I think, you know, generalising, <laughs> the, the natural tendency is for us to become the superwoman and try and take on it all. Um, and so I think from a, a leadership perspective, I feel that um, I have to be more proactive around suggesting perhaps compromises need to be made. Can we be more upfront around tailoring a solution before we get to that point of um, people burning themselves out? Um, but equally, there are a lot of men within my team as well who are taking time off to um, support uh, homeschooling um, and do the carer duties as well. So everyone's taking a bit of a hit, but I, I do feel a bit more positively about women in our industry. That's great. Stuart, I'd like to bring you in, of course. Um, I think, I'm wondering, you obviously work on the recruitment side of things, largely with, as I understand, tech and data clients. Um, what's the attitude been towards these kinds of accommodations from employers in that industry? Um, do you think that it's an industry that allows for this kind of uh, flexibility a little bit more? Um, what's, the, what's the attitude from employers? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that overall it's actually been incredibly positive. I think the great thing about the data and analytics um, industry is that um, 
a lot of work can be done remotely. I mean, you know, you, you, you're not bound by, by, by brick and mortar. You know, you can do your work pretty much anywhere. And I think um, overall, there's been some real positive um, things that have come out of COVID, I think. And one of them is, um, and Catherine kind of touched on it uh, just a moment ago, but I think that it's kind of um, uh, pulled the, the, you know, the carpet under a lot of people's perceptions of what home life looks like. I think, you know, businesses, leaders are seeing more about their employees' life than ever before. I mean, I know that my son has jumped on a Zoom call more than once and same for my wife. And I think, you know, I know more personally about other people that I didn't previously. And I think that has opened up a much wider line of communication and discussion um, across businesses. And I think that without you know damning my gender too much i think there was there was a status quo before um covid came in of who did what and 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 you know gender roles as well and i think that when you're all thrown in the same four balls and you all have to you know kind of adapt and and get through this i think that you then get um leaders in businesses that probably didn't look at flexibility as something that was valuable or worth exploring and it being thrust upon them and i think what you find is that not only have um, businesses in, and leaders in the analytics world seeing um, productivity increasing a lot uh, across the board, um, but also, um, you know, communication increasing, all sorts of things happening, but also um, not, um, I suppose, um, male dominated leaders actually finally seeing the stresses and the trials and tribulations um, that women in leadership roles or in any type of role have been juggling with a family or what have you for, for a long time now. And I think that one of the real positives that's coming out of this is just a, a forced recognition of what it takes to have to go through lots of different priorities from just not just your work, but from your family as well. So that's opened up a lot of different conversations, which have then translated itself into flexible working arrangements, flexible hours. Uh, I know certain businesses that have encouraged people to take leave but have offered one-for-one -one days for every leave uh, day that they're currently taking. Lots of things that are happening. And I think that um, we've fundamentally changed, I think, um, you know, how we are going to interact together. But I think that the positives for women in data and across the board, I believe, um, is that their male counterparts, hopefully, are going to start to wake up a little bit more as to you know, what they're going through and hopefully take a little bit more ownership and responsibility um, and, and playing a little bit more of an influential part in that as well. Yeah, and that's, I wanted to raise that point too in that, um, you know, I think more and more companies are opening this up to male and, it, you know, it was traditionally seen as like a maternity leave or, you know, that women took the, the caregiving leave. Um, you know, do you feel that this will encourage more men to take that on? Because, Again, as an aside, certainly in many companies, those options have been available for, for many years. But on the flip side, women often feel like they're punished when they do take advantage of that or it, it you know, it sets them back on their career trajectory. And, um, you know, again, it's a loaded question, but how do we how do we sort of level that playing field? I think I think that it's just something that has to happen, and I think that in in a in a competitive environment where you're trying to attract the best talent, um, these are things that as a business they're going to have to start to think about. And also, I believe that socially, you know, women aren't going to allow for um, uh, this to continue in the way that it is. And what I mean by that is that my wife um, has been stronger on me in regards to taking certain responsibilities um, that I didn't normally. Uh, and I know so many anecdotes where that's been true as well. And I also believe that, you know, I've 
love my time with my son and, and, the, and the amount of time I've got to spend. And I also believe that whilst I've always loved my son and enjoyed spending time with my son, I also know a lot of anecdotes where uh, I think men have suddenly realized the value of spending that extra time and investing that time and being part of that development of their children as well. So I, I think that it, it's a two-pronged attack. I think if businesses want to attract and keep the right amount of talent, I think they're going to have to widen up those um, flexible options, um, parental leave across the board and not um, uh, signaling out whether or not you are the primary caregiver or the secondary caregiver or the female or the male. I think it, we just have to have a policy um, across the board. Um, I, but I also believe that um, as, 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 as men and as women, I, well, mainly as men, I think we also have to start stepping up to the plate because I think there's been a social shift now and there's an expectation um, that the, the men play an equal part in this because we've been doing it now. So I don't think there's an ability to go back from that. And I think that um, not only will that help the family unit, I believe, but also when it comes to um, promotions and, and, and women's careers, um, if we are, I think it's our responsibility as men to take advantage of these policies that are in place. And, and, and I suppose the way that we can advocate this change is by being inclusive in accepting this flexibility and not just burying ourselves into work and, 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 and ignoring that. But I think if we start actually accepting and enjoying these, these policies as well, um, uh, the more we can be on an equal footing from that regard, I think then the concept of who or who doesn't get a promotion um, um, will lessen. Yeah, I mean, just like, again, She Loves Data, we're all about diversity and encouraging women to pursue these non-traditional um, careers. We need more female role models for women to aspire to those kinds of careers. And by the same token, I think men need to see leadership from other men who are actually taking on, taking advantage of these kinds of opportunities and and um, demonstrating that, that it's their right and entitlement to take the, the, um, the leave that they're offered when they can. Yeah, I, I think it's a mental health question across the board, right? I think that, you know, you can look at it from um, a woman's perspective of going, actually, you know, they need to have that mental health sort of security of knowing that actually they can make life decisions and it not affect their career. Um, but at the same time, from a men's perspective, they need to have that kind of uh, mental health check to go, you know, it's okay for me to take that step back as well. It's actually, you know, you kind of need to balance it out and actually make it still socially acceptable for both parties to be able to reach the mark they want to reach to. And I think, you know, that is absolutely one of the benefits that have come out of this pandemic, I think, um, which is a weird thing to think about. But I think men have started to really realize that actually, you know, being at home, looking after your children is an enjoyable and, you know, something that you should be striving towards, not avoiding. It's so good to hear, Stu. And I think um, it, it just reminds me of my own reflection of my journey of vulnerability and humility through all of this as well. I think if you get forced to um, expose your true self, whether it's, you know, through the act of stopping or getting up and doing your hair and wearing makeup for a period of time in the early days of lockdown, um, and just admitting that you're you're not in the best headspace um, on it and in any given day, and um, I think yeah, it seems like from your story as well that a lot of us have gone through that journey of sort of facing into the realities of our roles and the drivers of our and motivators of our happiness, and um, are coming to terms with 
new life choices that we're making. And, yeah, hearing that just makes me feel really positive about the future. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm conscious we're, we've had some great conversations, a couple more things we want to cover. Um, just curious, maybe I'll start with you, Stuti. Um, what do you think? Do you think that the, the work from home and this flexibility is going to be the new norm? Or do you think that, you know, when this is all over, we'll revert back to the more traditional office hours, working in an office? Um, right. And that's, that's a good question, right? Because um, so I, I personally, I like people around me. I, I just love that routine of what Catherine said, getting up in the morning, getting dressed and going to work. Um, See, when I look at, uh, even in Singapore, when the cases are really, I mean, we hardly have any new cases, um, uh, in, in new COVID cases in Singapore, but still our, uh, what we're hearing from the leadership team is that we're not returning to work at least this year. And, um, and even the government messages are also, even if you're returning to work, uh, not more than half of the workforce can return, not more than half of the week. So there are, uh, so at least nothing's happening in the near future uh, th this year. And even when, uh, even even for next year, and this is my personal opinion, right? When I uh, look around, when I think of old times when we used to, and I'm in consulting um, team, right? So we used to visit our clients um, uh, in, in different countries. So I definitely don't see that happening uh, in the next uh, six to nine months, right? So, but I think, um, I mean, I think during this time, we've learned uh, a few good things, like um, have realized that we don't really need to travel for, for each and every meeting, like video conferences work in many cases. Uh, although, I mean, it's better for, for relationship building if you meet somebody in person, but uh, some meetings are avoidable. So I think we've learned our lessons also. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, although I can't wait for things to be, come back to normal, I think for the short term, which is about uh, six to nine months, I, I see myself working from home, if not full time, then at least uh, three days or two days or three days uh, in the week. And I think companies will also give us that flexibility. It won't be uh, completely uh, work from office once things get normal. I, I think companies will uh, take uh, a slow, slower approach to that. Mm. Catherine, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't think it will ever go back to normal and I hope it doesn't go back to normal. <laughs> I think there are some very good things that have come out of all of this, as we've spoken about, sort of normalising flexible work arrangements um, and remote working. Um, I think part of it works today because everyone's doing it. So I'll be interested to see whether that holds true when you do get um, a lot of people going back into the office. Um, but as Stuti said, we're, we're not going to be able to accommodate 100% um, capacity in, in the office in any time in the near term anyway. So um, there will be some presence that remains remote working. Um, so I, I do think that can persist and... Um, you know, we've been forced to redesign complete business processes um, for better outcomes. So I'm, I really hope we don't lose that creativity and ingenuity um, that we've been forced to pull out during these times. Um, so we'll find, you know, I hate to say the COVID normal, we'll find a, a new normal, whatever that may be. Um, 
but yeah, I hope we're able to hang on to, to some of the, the new characteristics longer. Yeah, I think both, yeah, both the ingenuity, holding on to that, but by the same token, touching on something Stuart said earlier, really appreciating when we can come back together, but then maybe, you know, knowing the value of when to do that and when things can be done just as effectively and more cost efficiently, I think, too, <laughs> in other ways. Yeah. Um, so again, we are coming close to the end of our time. Um, and I, I think this has been actually a very positive conversation. I'm, I'm really encouraged, but I do want to be sure we end on a positive note. And so with that in mind, um, and knowing that we perhaps do have a long road with COVID ahead of us, I wondered if each of you might want to share just a word or two of encouragement or support for our listeners. And that can be either to your, you know, our fellow female professionals and also, or also to our, our male allies. So I think um, those that are facing into sort of harsh lockdown situations, um, keeping the, the human elements alive, so connecting in regularly with your, your peers, checking in on people just to make sure that they're okay. Um, lots of face-to-face. -face. So if you're not doing it already, if you're in meetings, put your camera on. Just being able to look people in the eye, even if it's virtually, um, makes a big difference. Um, and, you know, it's one year in a lifetime. We will get through it. And um, as I said, lots of good things will come out of this. So let's try and hang on to those good things and um, then bring back in the, the great things that we're missing, like family and friends. Thanks for that. Um, I, I, I think I think that's absolutely right. I think embrace it to a certain degree. I think find your find your routine, find the things that make you happy. Um, you know, stay in touch. Communication is so important. Um, I, I think that, um, as Catherine said, it's a relatively short period of time, um, but so much can be achieved out of this. And I think that um, one of the positive things I'm taking out of this is that this now the way in which we work the way in which your career can now move is fundamentally changed forever in my opinion i think employers that do not embrace what's happening right now are going to lose their staff lose their talented staff i think that um, from um, a women's perspective from a male allies perspective this is an opportunity to make sure that your business does not regress from this. You know, there is an opportunity here to fundamentally change company operates for the better. And don't let anyone take that away from you because, you know, this is something that we should always embrace. And, and I think that we've craved for years to come and, and it's taken a pandemic to get here. Um, but what I believe we're finally here and, and it's about striking the right balance. So, you know, I would say stay strong, stay positive and whatever you do, um, don't let your business get away with going back to the old normal and embrace the new normal. Very good points um, by Catherine and Stu, right? And I think I'll, I'll echo the same. Uh, stay positive, take one day at a time, and uh, I mean, look for the positive things uh, uh, during this time as well. Great. Thank you all so much. This We do have to wrap things up. It's, we're at the end of today's podcast. So again, thank you to Catherine and Stuart and Stuti um, not only did you bring your professional expertise, but you really brought your whole selves to, the, to the, um, the conversation today. And I really appreciate that. And I'm sure our audience members will too. So I'd also like to, again, thank Data Futurology for joining forces with She Loves Data to create She Leads, getting real about leading with diversity and data series. Um, we have a terrific lineup of speakers to come in the, in the future. So we hope that you'll stay tuned 
and to learn more about the critical role that diversity has to play in the future of tech and data. Thanks so much and we look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Thanks Renee. Thank you.